people who learn Spanish in the Dominican Republic will obviously speak it very differently from someone who learned in Argentina versus someone who learned in Mexico. So I think having those diversity of backgrounds and perspectives um, gives a lot of life to learning the language. I got more comfortable with how every student spoke and how the professor spoke, and I can now have conversations with my dad in Spanish, which is just great for him, too. <laughs> he misses it, too. You're listening to Speaking of Language, a podcast recorded at the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. Each week, we explore a topic related to language pedagogy and second language acquisition. This week on Speaking of Language... We learn about Cornell's Spanish for Heritage Speakers courses from current and former students. Welcome to a new episode of Speaking of Language. I'm Angelica Kramer, the director of the Language Resource Center at Cornell University. And I'm Sam Lupowitz, the LRC's media manager. Today, we continue our series of conversations with Cornell students. We are joined by a few students who took Spanish for Heritage Speakers courses. We'll hear about their experience and what they gained in terms of language and cultural skills and awareness. Now, let's start out by having each of you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background with languages. Mary Kay, as the faculty member who coordinates and teaches these courses, why don't you get us started? Yeah, I'm I'm Mary Kay Redman, a senior lecturer in Romance Studies. Um, I first learned Spanish through immersion by living in Chile, then I studied it, then I worked in Spanish, using Spanish, and I've been teaching Spanish at Cornell in all many different courses, Um, and it all contributes to my interest in working in the heritage Spanish courses. Wonderful. And we have three of your former students with us in the studio today. Um, Who wants to get started? Hi, I'm Alexander Horacio Adrogui. I'm a junior chemistry major, um, and I think my progression in Spanish has been very non-linear um, because for context, my background is that my father immigrated from Argentina and my mother immigrated from Russia. So my household is a, a trilingual mm. household. Very and cool. because of that, I think they, just, they decided very early on that speaking three languages at, at home would be very tricky. So mm-hmm. we picked that I'd, be, I'd uh, speak English and Russian at home, and I'd learned Spanish more um, in schools and with my outside family. So when I'd go back to Argentina or when I'd be with my family in Houston, I'd learn some Spanish, but a lot of it too was kind of more through the formal academic system. Um, And then more recently, I've been trying to speak to more people with more people of Hispanic heritage Mm -hmm. uh, because I think there, there just is something about speaking the language with people of that heritage who understand all the cultural context associated with that. Whereas, you know, if you're in a purely traditional academic context, you're speaking with people who, like, learned it from a textbook and don't understand all the nuance associated with it. So that's sort of my kind of Spanish background. Hi, my name is Isabella Perez, and um, my background with Spanish isn't a lot. I took standard Spanish classes in high school, And I would pick up phrases and words from what my dad would speak Mm -hmm. a little bit in the house. But growing up in upstate New York near the Canadian border, most people didn't speak Spanish. Mm -hmm. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity for it. So that's why this, again, this class was very valuable for me because I learned a lot. Mm -hmm. Hi, my name is Frida Herrera. Um, I'm a sophomore here at Cornell. And my... 
my background with Spanish is that I am from Los Angeles and I live in I lived in South Los Angeles, so it was very mm-hmm. um, Spanish speaking. I was always surrounded by Spanish. Yeah. I even my family speaks a lot of Spanish. However, because my parents are second generation mm-hmm. in our household, we didn't speak Spanish Got it. very much to each other. Um, it was a lot of English. So again, I took this course in hopes of bettering my Spanish and feeling more comfortable to speak with my grandparents and even like mm-hmm. people in my community. Sure. All right. Great. Well, welcome to Speaking of Language, Alex, Bella, Frida, and Mary Kay. Mary Kay, before we hear from your students, would you please talk a little bit about the Spanish for Heritage Speakers courses and their goals? Yeah, the Spanish for Heritage Speakers course has existed at Cornell for 25 or 30 years, and we always were able to offer one or perhaps two courses a year. And in the past two years, we've uh, upped that number. So now we have six courses a year and we have two levels. So that's new. We have hundreds of heritage speakers at Cornell, and there's a wide range of skill and need. So we're trying to invite and encourage many students from all the different colleges not to take Spanish as a requirement, but to take it for personal enrichment, family enrichment, or for their professional goals. The courses do fulfill the language requirement. The 2000-level course fills the the requirement for arts and sciences, but you can also just take it. We have many students. I have students from ILR, from the College of Engineering, from CALS. Um, so anyone is welcome to take the classes. That's great. So we'll hand it over to the former students here. Why did you guys take a Spanish for Heritage Speakers course? I think some of you have already hinted a little bit at that, but can you expand a little bit more on that? Yeah, I think one thing for me is that I realized pretty early on that Spanish is a very dynamic language. It isn't just, you know, Spanish Castellano and like mm-hmm. one very fixed mm-hmm. kind of formalized language. I mean, there's different variants of it. People who speak, um, people who learn Spanish in the Dominican Republic will obviously speak it very differently from someone who learned in Argentina versus someone who learned it in Mexico. So. Mm-hmm. I think having those diversity of backgrounds and perspectives um, gives a lot of life to learning the language uh, because you aren't just learning, you know, verb tenses and adjectives and other grammatical structures. You're really learning how Spanish is used in different contexts, as well as different ideas and ways of expressing yourself with the language. Great. Um, The reason that I took this course um, was partly due to, I guess, insecurity with, like, my level of Spanish, Mm. especially, again, being from a community that just speaks Spanish. Um, Being of Latina, I was very embarrassed that my Spanish wasn't Mm. to par. Um, Which, looking back, it's a little silly, but I do think it was a great motivator to take action and to... Mm -hmm. um, doing something that connects me to my culture for me first of all i tested into the class (laughs) so that helps um and again growing up in a in a area where there was just not a lot Mm -hmm. of hispanic people i'm pretty sure my family is the only hispanic population in our town oh wow um i always felt this sort of pressure in spanish classes in high Mm -hmm. school because I was the mm-hmm. only Latina there. Sure. So I felt like I had to I had to be the best there. Mm-hmm. I had to um, speak the best. And mm-hmm. I just 
saw this class and thought it would be thought I would be a little bit more comfortable because there would mm-hmm. be people who are similar to me who sure. feel that discomfort and mm-hmm. who just want to get better in a you know a very similar environment to mm-hmm. what I grew up with. And, yeah, for sure. So what wound up being valuable to you in this experience? I think there was a lot of things that are were very valuable in this class. Um, first of all, just getting more comfortable with the language again um, and learning more about different people's cultures and, of course, my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that... Um, I think that, again, coming from a bunch of different cultures and backgrounds was very helpful. And, yeah, I think just getting more comfortable in the Spanish language and being sure. able to learn from other students because everyone had their strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Like, I came into the course being pretty, well, in my terms, bad at speaking mm-hmm. Spanish, but I found that I could write better and I could mm-hmm. read. And yeah. other people might be, their strengths might be speaking Spanish, but maybe they are not great at writing. So we get sure. kind of help each other out. And that was very valuable in mm-hmm. learning a language. Yeah. So a nice community. That's good. Any other things that stood out to you? Yeah, I can add on. Um, so for me, the, the most valuable thing that I learned is that it's, the process is lengthy, but mm. it's going to be rewarding in the end. I, re- I took um, this course, well, I took um, Spanish 1250 and um, um So I had Mary, Mary Kay twice. And um, I remember after my first semester, at the end, I remember Mary Kay like having a talk with us and saying how she knows, she understands that we might feel defeated right now, being that it's the end of the semester and we aren't up to par Mm -hmm. with what we thought we would be Mm -hmm. at but understanding that it's all part of the process and that helped me a lot because I was feeling very unmotivated to keep going because I was Mm -hmm. like I can't like how is it that I'm still struggling like I thought I would do a lot better but Mm -hmm. after hearing Mary Kay speak to us and also knowing that other students were in my same position of feeling like oh my god we can't do this anymore it was very encouraging and I mean it's motivated me because I took Spanish the spring after and I'm taking Spanish right now so that's the best thing that I've learned from the course awesome yeah to kind of build on what's previously been said I think everyone being of a similar background there's not really an expectation that one person who might be the only Latino in the group somehow has to perform better than everyone else just because oh the assumption that you know because you're this heritage, you have to be, you know, perfect in the language. There's no expectation of that. And I found that very valuable, especially when there is some degree of vulnerability and mm. learning and expressing yourself in yeah. a new language. Or not a new language. Well, in any language. Yeah, or especially <laughs> a language that yeah. you might not have the most comfort in, mm. whether, mm-hmm. whether that's because you're, you know, second gen or because you're multicultural and you spoke different languages in your household. I, I think that kind of sense of community is extraordinarily valuable in language learning. Yeah, wonderful. Was there anything unique about studying Spanish with a group of heritage speakers from different cultural backgrounds? I guess something unique for me was, um, I always talk about where I'm from, but being from Los Angeles, I was always surrounded by a certain type of Spanish speaker. Um, I was always surrounded. I'm Mexican, 
and Salvadorian, and I was my community is largely Mexican and Central American. So being in this course was very interesting because I interacted with people of different mm. of different backgrounds um, in Latino America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had never met like Puerto Ricans, Colombians, sure. um, which is it's very interesting because you would think LA is so diverse, but in rea- in retrospect, it's mm. it's not, and mm-hmm. so I think that was very unique. And also, again, seeing people also struggling with like what I'm struggling with, and there's nothing wrong with that, of course. Um, but it, it again, it makes you feel more comfortable to take more chances to speak more in class. Um, I I'm kind of shy. I'm on the shyer side, so um, I was surprised that in Spanish, I loved speaking and I loved interacting and. Even if I knew that I was messing up my words, I didn't care because I knew everyone understood where I was coming from. That helped mm-hmm. out a lot. Sure. I think Frida and I's experiences growing up were very opposite <laughs> and different. <laughs> but for the same reasons, I think it was unique because I n- never met people from these backgrounds sure. or these cultures. And I've never really talked to people or had a relationship with people that were some from my same background, too. Yeah. Um, I wasn't going to class with um, Mexican Americans. I wasn't. Sure. I wasn't in communication with any but my family, and rarely did we ever have the chance to go visit them in Texas. Um, and I think also it goes back to us having different understandings of the language and the cultures, and just having different strengths and weaknesses again that we could help each other out with because that was very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think another thing that like the course made me think about a lot was, I mean, there's so many different cultures within Latino America, and there's so many different perspectives. And I think kind of like the entire idea of Latinidad or like a unified community is, is somewhat new. So I think it's kind of, you know, an exploration of that. It's thinking about what does it mean to have a shared linguistic background, even if the countries we our family or is from or where we grew up is, you know, hundreds, even thousands of miles apart. Mm. Um, these, I mean, it's, it's an entire continent. It's a very diverse set of cultures. So I, I think it's definitely an experiment and just, you know, a unified like Latinidad. I think it's definitely pretty interesting in that context. Did you learn anything that changed your understanding of your parents or grandparents' cultures? Um, hearing this question, it reminds me, um, I always go back to, Professora, maybe you can help us out with this. Um, I don't remember what the reading was called, but it was about a man who came from Cuba, I believe, and then he was born there, and he grew up a little bit there, and then he moved to New York City, and he grew up the rest of his childhood there. And it was about um, the generation between people being mm-hmm. from Spanish-speaking countries, and then people like his kids were were born in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and coming from a family of Mexican-Americans, and my dad grew up in Mexico and in Brownsville, Texas, on the border of Mexico, and now he's lived over 20 years in New York. So I guess I've, got, I've gotten that more understanding of that confusion that he may have and about, like, where is home for him? Mm-hmm. And I think that's very important to somebody's culture and somebody's understanding of themselves. Actually, yeah. I remember that story and I, I really enjoyed it. And there's 
a phrase from the story that I, I still don't forget. Um, he was describing his father smoking uh, guano, like a, a cigar, and he was describing essentially his connection to Cuba being like, uh, I think it was like los vinculos de humo, like the the smoke coming from the end of a cigar. So this thing that you can like see it is transient, but it is not that like fixed or even like real. So I, I think it's just interesting to consider how much of our connection to the countries that our, our fathers or our mothers or grandmothers or grandparents came from, um, how real that connection is and like how much of our cultural identity is in flux, I guess. Why might other students want to take Spanish for heritage speakers? If you had to tell your peers about this, you know, friends from within your community, what would you tell them? Um, okay, so I feel like I touched on this previously, but I think the number one thing for me was the environment. It was very uplifting and very um, welcoming because everyone came from the same background. Not really, but really we all had this shared experience of like wanting to better our Spanish. We all had the same goal and that made it so much easier to be vulnerable and open up and make mistakes and ask questions and again learn from each other, learn about different cultures within Latin America. Um, yeah, it was a really great experience and again I took I took it as long as I could, so I did the two semesters, and it, it helped me tremendously, especially right now that I'm taking Spanish 2095. So, mm -hmm. What skills that you picked up in this class might be useful for you or anyone else going on to a more advanced Spanish course? Okay. Um, for me, it helped set a great foundation, and it also built my confidence in mm -hmm. speaking, because um, with the Spanish for Heritage speakers, it was based off of a lot of communicating and grammar, which is something that I struggled with. Um, and so now in 2095, where we're more focused on literature and writing and composing essays, I don't have to worry as much about my grammar or like the basics because I already have that foundation mm -hmm. that I built from those two classes sure. prior. And so now where I have my focus more on is understanding the text and understanding words that I've never he heard, even if sure. like conversations with my grandparents, very complex words, um, being able to focus on that and going from there. And yeah. So actually, Frida, you just mentioned the level of confidence, right? Yes. Is there anything else when you think back to um, the specific courses that you took designed for heritage speakers that has gone beyond the academic realm and really helped like with your you know with every day or with family or or something else like how has the course impacted that i'll just continue for um for now um it has helped so much speaking to my grandparents and i think mm -hmm. even they have noticed because i call more frequently huh. especially when i'm here and um, I'm again I'm not afraid to make mistakes um, and even if they know that I'm struggling they're willing to like wait and like allow me to process what I'm saying and it's just helps so much in that sense and also um, during the summer I was working I did um, food service so I was interacting a lot with um, 
people that only spoke Spanish. Sure. So um, taking orders, not only was I practicing my Spanish more, but I was also utilizing what I had already learned in class now. And again, I just felt more confident mm-hmm. speaking to people in my community, mm-hmm. even if it was just taking their coffee orders. And I just sure. felt yeah. a lot more comfortable and I understood better. And there was, it was just an easier process. Adding on to what Frida said, um, my confidence was at an all-time low when I joined this class mm. in the first semester. Um, I remember walking into the first class and um, Professor Redmond did not say one word in English. Mm. And I sat there and everyone else was talking to her and I was like, please don't call on me. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't know what she's saying. And so I had a meeting with her after that first class and I was like, I don't think I'm I belong here. I don't mm. think I can I don't think I can do this. Yeah. And she told me to stick it out and she told me that it's just a confidence issue and that if once you keep going, you'll see that everybody else has their own weaknesses and you'll be able to pull yourself up and you'll be able to understand and going along in the classes i i got more comfortable with how every student spoke and Mm -hmm. how the professor spoke and i could really understand it and i even though i'm not still not the greatest at speaking the language um it still helps and i can now have conversations with my dad in spanish which perfect yeah it's great great for him too (laughs) he misses it too um but we went to texas over christmas again and i was able to speak with my abuelita and Mm. all my tias and it was it was really nice and that gives me chills very impactful (laughs) well it's been wonderful to chat with all of you about this before we sign off We'd like to ask each of you to share a word in a language you speak, love, are learning, want to learn, that makes you laugh. So who would like to start? So I think we'll start with Alex because he felt very strongly about his word and he was he was first to pick one. So whenever I, I you're think ready. feeling very strongly is an overstatement, but <laughs> I, I feel something, I guess. Um, so I think my word is choriban. Um because it was a big thing in my childhood. It's like, I think, I don't know if other countries have it too, but it's like, you grill like chorizo, and then you like slice it in half, and you take um, like bread, grill it, uh, put the chorizo on the bread, and then you put like chimichurri over it, and then that's choripan. Big thing in Argentina. Uh, but I don't know, the word choripan just seems very goofy. Um, so I don't know. Always, I was like, "What? What is that?" Yeah. Um, but yeah, sounds delicious. This yeah, is something that good. happens sometimes when we're trying to get people to to do words that make us laugh. We just start words that make everyone in the room hungry. Yes, because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally just like combining like chorizo and pan. Yeah, 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 yeah. makes sense. This is a word for some reason that's always stuck with me. Um, I remember we used to have like little uh, Spanish books for kids to, like, learn mm-hmm. the Spanish language. And for some reason, this word was in it, and it's espantabajaros, which is, just sounds ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and it just means scarecrow, but it's, oh. like, the weirdest thing to be in, to be in a children's book <laughs> about learning Spanish, and I just think it's a really ridiculous word. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Ugh. Okay, I'll say the first word that popped into my head. I feel like it's going to be, I don't know, if it's not appropriate, then we can obviously try it again. <laughs> but my word, and I feel like a lot of people are going to see this coming. My word is 
<laughs> I feel like even if you don't understand the language with context, you understand and it makes you laugh. It means poop. That's what it means. But <laughs> it's actually the same in German. So. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So I feel like that word just cracks me up. It's funny when little kids say it because it's just such a silly word only because it's like too like repeating like yeah. syllables like i don't know but yep. I don't, again if that were, if that word does not work we could try something else but that one just makes me laugh all the time i think we're good on that one <laughs> we have no objections mary Kay, what word comes to mind for you yeah a word i thought of is um makano it's it's an old-fashioned expression that one of my old professors from chile used and he was not cool. He was very serious, very academic. And and he would say this word, and he thought it meant cool, cute, wonderful, like maravilloso, chévere. And he used it in that way. And then I started hearing, as soon as you learn it, then I started hearing other people use that expression just to for fabuloso, right? It's a kind of an old-fashioned way. Saying, and I remember him fondly. Hmm, there you go. Well, that makes me wonder now what your students will take away and remember about you, because it sounds like you have been a very impactful person for them. So, Mary-Kate, thank you for building this program. Um, thank and you. <laughs> you were cool. Oh, there we go. Isn't that wonderful? Thank you. Well, but seriously, this was this was amazing. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, and thank you so much for speaking of language with us today, Alex, Bella, Frida, and Mary Kay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Adios. 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 <laughs> Ciao. Next week, we'll hear from Peidong Sun about fashion and politics in 20th century China. Until then... Auf Wiederhören. The Language Resource Center is located on the ground floor of Stimson Hall on Cornell's main campus in Ithaca, New York. Check us out on the web at lrc.cornell.edu or follow Cornell LRC on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Speaking of Language is produced by Angelica Kramer and Sam Lupowitz. Recorded by Sam Lupowitz. Original music by Sam Lupowitz, Dan Gable, and Joe Gibson. Thanks also to the College of Arts and Sciences at Cornell University. As a reminder, the ideas and opinions expressed on this podcast do not reflect those of the College of Arts and Sciences or any other official entity of Cornell University. We thank our listeners and do stay tuned for our next episode.